0: What's up, family? You are tuned into Law & Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. On today's show, the uncle of Oscar Grant, Cephas X, affectionately known to the community as Uncle Bobby.
1: Well, our vision is a world where no one has the right to take the life of another and be protected, insulated from the consequences of doing so by a system of structural racism sophistication and propaganda. Eliminating this state violence that we see.
0: From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Cat Brooks. I'm your host, Cat Brooks, and I'm pretty sure I got my producer and co-host of this show, Jesse Strauss, on the line now. Good morning, Jesse.
2: Good morning. I am connected. I'm really excited that we are wrapping up our first week of launch today. Yeah,
0: yeah, and what a great week it's been. We've had some really fire shows and amazing guests. We're continuing uh, that trend this morning. We are joined this morning by Cephas X, affectionately known to the community as Uncle Bobby. He is the uncle of Oscar Grant, who was murdered by then-BART police officer Johannes Meserli on January 1st, 2009, which sparked international protest and demands for justice. He is also the co-founder of the Love Not Blood campaign, as well as Families United for Justice, and supports families across the globe as they navigate surviving the terror of state violence. Good morning, Uncle Bobby. Good morning, Kat. Thanks for having me on your show. Man, thanks for coming on the show. You know, you had to be one of uh, the first week's guests. You and I have been working together for quite some time now. What do people need to understand about the breadth of state violence against black people in this country?
1: You know, I say it this way. The power of the police to use deadly force is one of the most significant responsibilities we can give any public official. That responsibility must be guided by common sense legislation that protects human rights and saves human life. You know, and that's what this work is all about, is making sure that Especially black people, brown people, marginalized white, are not killed by the state violence that we see happening across this country. And to highlight what you just shared, and to talk about just the, the scratching the surface, we passed legislation in 2015 called AB 71, Use of Force Data Collection, by the Department of Justice of the State of California. If you go to Use of Force website, you will see that on an average. 175 to 225 Californians are killed by the police here in this state alone. So we're talking about since Oscar's murder, right? Over 1,500 Californians has been killed by the police in this state alone since Oscar's murder.
0: That's right, and folks get it twisted, right? Because they think about California, sunny, progressive, all these liberals out here um, bopping around. But the reality is, is that California law enforcement agencies kill more than any other law enforcement, uh, any other state uh, in the country, even when you get in a more conservative territory. But we also do some of the dopest organizing and response, right? And we're building this movement to end uh, the yes. pandemic of violence against our folks. Uncle Bobby, January 1st, 2009, um, your nephew Oscar Grant was murdered by then BART police officer Johannes Meserly on the Fruitvale BART platform and recorded by people and the video went viral. Talk about getting the call that your nephew had been killed.
1: You know, of course taking a truck back in time to that moment always is uh, very painful. Uh, it's a time period and a moment that will never be forgotten. And it's actually what has shaped my life since that moment that I heard that call and then witnessed through the video of what happened. Uh, so when I go back to that date, uh, you know, of course I was pained. Uh, I didn't quite understand. I had heard he had got killed by the police and didn't quite understand it until I saw that video. And then what I realized then was that, This police violence is an extreme major problem. And sadly, many of us wait till it comes to our door before we become active. And this is a call out, as I shared about the most significant responsibility of any public official that's given a right to take one's life. You know, is critical in how we move to bring about real systemic change. Uh, And so since that moment in time, I felt that, Oscar asked me to be constructive rather than destructive Uh, because I was extremely angry. uh, I wanted to act out behind that anger in all the wrong way. Uh, Of course there was uh, thoughts of retaliation, you know, anything that you could think of when we're angry in regards to satisfying that anger. Uh, But Oscar had whispered in my ear and said that it had to be constructive rather than destructive. And of course I started my initial journey in the constructive manner in getting, uh, or at least working with the community to get past the Oversight Citizen Board of the police with an independent auditor. You know, and that was my first journey of experiencing legislative work. Uh, but in addition to that, which was much more powerful, was the organizing that took place in the street. You know, meeting you back in 2009 uh, and sharing the spoken word piece.
0: I am Oscar Grant. That is what the masses scream. And I see thousands in the streets that feel I'm in a dream. How can we be Oscar Grant? Will we be there when his baby goes screams? And will we be there to answer the question when she asks why there are no cell phones in heaven? So now I'm on a hell-bent mission to upturn, destroy, and tear down this system that murders my men without retribution because that bad smell gives them permission to do as they see fit. But how do I explain to my three-year-old why I'm marching in these streets? How do I explain to my three-year-old she ain't seen me all weekend how do i explain to my three-year-old what his death has done to me how do i explain to my three-year-old another black man was killed by police uh
1: was so powerful and then just hearing others talk about this violence in the way that you shared and through your spoken word piece really resonated and it was then that i realized it was the community of oakland the bay area the state of California that embraced us uh stood with us cried with us left back and forth the court with us. Uh, and most importantly, shout it out. I am Oscar grant. Uh, and because of that, we were able to get for the first time in California state history an officer arrested, charged, convicted, and sent to jail. And that was the power that was witnessed that really resonates with me today in all the work that I do and how we can bring real systemic change. When we come together as a community, and, and, and as you said, the dope organizing that takes place here in the state of California that has spread it all across this country really prepared folks for what happened to George Floyd. And that's why we saw that 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 grand mass movement behind George Floyd murder. You know, and so, uh, you know, the power of the community to embrace families and to hold families up is significant in helping families realize that they can have a chance to get justice as long as they are stay connected and rooted within the community of organizers that truly seek justice in the way that the Oakland community did.
2: Bobby, this is Jesse Strauss responding. It's It's really powerful to think about and remember that history that went down so many years ago here in Oakland. You said it was a wake-up call when you got that call that Oscar was killed, and you've been— organizing around this issue of police killing people since then. You also talked about seeing communities stand up in Oscar Grant's name and how much that resonated with you. Excuse me. You did mention that in the response to the George Floyd uprising, there was a huge amount of community response. But, you know, you also talked about how unique Oakland was. I'm wondering if you can think back a little bit on these different examples since you've been thrust into this movement. And explore a little bit, what makes Oakland different? What, what have you noticed that's different in Oakland's response than in other places?
1: Yeah, Oakland is very unique. We are birthed with this activism in our bloodstream because of the history of Oakland concerning, you know, specifically the Black Panthers birth here. You know, of course, the 70s movement, uh, the Berkeley's movement. We can go on to the various types of movement that took place here in the Bay area specifically. Uh, and because that, that strong history of movement, many of the families that live here in this County, uh, Northern California is activated when an injustice occurs. Uh, and that activation creates organizing in such a way that many get involved. And so it was the organizing, of many different individuals and organizations that were organizing their own way of thinking of how to get justice. But eventually realizing too, that not one organization can do this alone. Not one person can do this alone, but we, if we come together, we can create a mass movement. And it was from there that Oakland came together and created a mass movement in Oakland behind the murder of Oscar grant, but that mass movement continues to this day, but you know, when I explore what happened then at Oakland, it was not only that, but many folks in Oakland began to crisscross this country, having organizing meetings behind police murder. And these pockets of organizing that was taking place all across this country had some, some residue, of uh, folks from Oakland in that community. And not only that, many of those communities that was impacted by police violence was brought to Oakland to understand how to go back home to even garner better organizing within their own community and bringing those organizing groups together to create a mass organizing movement within that city. We saw that with Ferguson. We saw that with Freddie Gray, Laquan McDonald. You know, we could go on with the, uh high profile murders that took place and then ask the question how many people from Oakland was actually involved in helping the organizing that took place in those states and what you will find was that there was a significant part of folks from Oakland involved in those organizing that took place and all these organizing pockets continued all the way up until the murder of george floyd where we saw a mass movement explode from the planning of understanding organizing from the history of the murder of Oscar Grant to that point in time with George Floyd, you know the power of what Oakland did really resonates from its history of knowing what happened here in Oakland concerning the Black Panthers and how they thought about police violence in the community, and then various other organizations that was involved in stemming in, in and curbing the violence in this country. Not just this country, but I'm going to speak more about Oakland. But I need to say this too not only was it the community but labor especially behind i o w Longshoremen Union Local 10 in San Francisco that really resonated with them because two of their workers during the 19 I believe it was 30s strike two of their Longshoremen were killed by the police and so their activism and concerns with police violence was so tremendous and powerful that they also organized and shut down the ports here in Northern California throughout the state for justice, for Oscar grant, which was, which was huge because now we got labor involved and then we had our progressive, um, uh, political folks, you know, that, um, got involved in the Oscar grant movement. And so, you know, it was just a powerful, powerful, uh, history, making point in time, that should never be forgotten, but also be learned from. Uh and, and I'll add this and, and let pass it back to you. That organizing was so powerful as Kat will speak to or or have shared many times, reduced or made Oakland think about the killing that was taking place in Oakland and caused a reduction in police violence in the state. Now we're, you know, we're still struggling with the killing that takes place, but not near to the magnitude that it was when it was um, not confronted in the streets by organizers like Cat and others.
0: Uncle Bobby, I'm so glad you shared that history. I think it is so important. You know, I say often that it, it was the, the movement for justice for Oscar that kicked off this period of time, right? Our people have been struggling against state violence since we were kidnapped and brought here. Um, and you mentioned the Panther Party. But this, you know, the last 12 years, um, that, that started here in Oakland. People forget also the brutality of the response by the Oakland Police Department, right? The snipers that were on the building. I don't know if you remember, uh, we used to do the four-corner salute with the middle fingers. To the snipers and the tear gas and the rubber bullets and it was just, it was just brutal and and I think people also forget the breadth of the movement, I mean it was also the time of Arab Spring and there were folks in Egypt with signs that said I am Oscar Grant. It was a powerful, powerful time and and to your point, yeah, at that time the Oakland Police Department um, held the title of one of the most murderous police departments um, in the country and the the movement for Oscar and then the ongoing organizing, right? um, really did make them think and shift practices. And now that title belongs to the Vallejo Police Department because a lot of O.P.D. officers made lateral moves, but that's a different segment. Uncle Bobby, um, I do want you to talk about Families United for Justice and the organizing of the Love Not Blood campaign, what you're doing now. I know you've got a conference coming up. Talk about your work with with the families, not just in California, but all over this country.
1: Uh, yeah, thank you for that, Kat. All right, all right. But I'm going to start really in California. California. You know, California Families United for Justice has been part of uh, many of the legislation that have taken place, and I just kind of cite a few really quick: AB 953, Racial Identification Profiling Act; SB 1421, the Right to Know, being able to be more transparent about police officers' um, records; AB 748, the Video Auto Release in 45 Days; uh, AB 392, the Most Use, use of Force uh uh legislation in this country, the most strictest. SB two decertification noun of bad police officers in our community. A B um 2761 is one we're working on right now, which is the death certificate, getting a notation on the death certificate. Uh, of course AB 490, which is the uh, per, uh positional asphyxia legislation that was passed. Uh SB 16 increases the transparency. AB 1608 one that we're presently working on right now is a separating the coroner's office from the medical examiner because of the influence that takes place. You know, uh, of course, AB two, uh, uh 299, which is victim compensation, because if you're harmed by the police, there was no compensation you get. But today, uh, this piece of legislation is on the verge of passing, and it hasn't passed yet. Uh, but if it passed now, if you're inflicted with harm by the police, you get some form of compensation from the um, victim board of compensation. Um, but yes, yeah, that's just in the state of California, but on a national basis, we, per, we, um, you know, have healing conferences that work with families that have been impacted by this violence all over this country. And since, uh, 2014 we've had several conferences that entail bringing families together to help heal one another first dealing with the trauma And then also being given the tools of understanding, organizing, bringing folks in like yourself that will give a workshop or a presentation on what organizing look like, what is organizing and the success of organizing that you can have in your community when you really have some organization that's taking place. Um, you know, and so this year, um, September 29th through October, The second, we will have our sixth conference. Uh, It will be in Atlanta this year. Uh, You know, and it entails bringing families together. Last year in San Diego, we had 325 families. It was an extremely powerful conference. Mm, Uh, You know, we fill up one another. You know, it just goes on. You know, I can be long winded with this, but I just wanted to kind of lay that backdrop so people can see just how important it is and bringing these families together because that's where the true healing begins when these families come together, embrace one another and begin to support on each other and help each other through their trauma and pain.
0: That's something that folks, I think, need to understand more about, right? Like for a lot of people, they hear the name if they hear the name, but it's on TV for a little bit. If there's organizing, it's on TV for a little bit more. And then folks go about their business, but the trauma for the families that lose their loved ones to state violence, it's devastating to their lives. Yes.
1: It, 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 is, it is crippling, you know, because uh, many don't know what to do, especially if they're in communities that don't have the strength of organizing and, and community support. You know, these families become isolated. Uh, they clam up, uh, you know, and their whole life is turned upside down where they just forget the joy that they had prior to the tragic moment of losing their child. Uh, And so what we do is we bring together to experience that, first, they're not the only one that has suffered this pain, but there's still some way to smile through the pain of losing your child. And we take them back in time to reflect on the times that they had with their loved one, uh, the joy that they had in life. And, and give them a hope and a glimpse of that joy because we know that this pain is forever. And if we can get a family to smile for a minute or two, we've done a big thing because sometimes it's just so hard to get a smile when you have lost a loved one in an ingest way. Your whole view of this whole system is turned upside down. And, you know, and the system always seemed to let The officer who who committed the wrong, which is obvious, he was shot in the back or he was choked to death, uh, and you know, he hadn't done anything wrong in his own video and then officer get a justifiable homicide, I mean you're just you're crippled because the system let you down. And the only way for you to begin to get some breathing air is to be embraced by those who have suffered a similar pain to help walk you through that pain. Uh, And to help bring a smile on your face to be there on a lonely night, you know, you have new numbers, a whole network of new friends uh, that become closer to you than many family members because we all share that initial struggle and trauma.
2: Yeah, Uncle Bobby, I wanted to ask one last question and we really need to keep it short and wrap up. But on this show, we like to imagine a world and imagine a future where we don't have to deal with situations like the experience your family had to deal with, with Oscar Grant being killed or the experiences of the families that you're supporting nationally. Um, You're so deep in the organizing world around that, dealing with family members and dealing with all this legislation. You talked about so much legislation just in California alone. I'm sure it's similarly large in many other states around the country. I'm wondering if you ever and we just have a minute, but if you ever imagine the future of your work, what you could imagine we would need for you to slow down and relax a little bit, um, what can that world look like?
1: Well, our vision is a world where no one has the right to take the life of another and be protected, insulated from the consequences of doing so by a system of structural racism, sophistication, and propaganda eliminating this state violence that we see is of course our prayer and our hope and our vision. So what is it that I guess I can imagine that can slow me down? And that is to see our children, because it's always about the children have a right to life. You know, we say it's always, 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 it's always, always, always about the children. And with that focus, we don't want, I don't want my grandbabies, my, my, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, or my great-great-grandchildren to ever have to suffer uh, this pain that we're witnessing uh, so heinously happening every day in this country. That thought and hope keeps me with the faith and with an optimistic view that that change can become a reality.
2: Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Uncle Bobby. It's a pleasure to have you on.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me, Jesse. Thank you, Kat. Uh, Great show. Appreciate it all. And thank you for the many years of um, organizing the support that you have given us and the idea of stemming and curbing and ending police violence in this country.
0: So much love to you and the fam, Uncle Bobby. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Rask in the Fort Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis. That's D-I-S. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at Law